welcome to How Fitting, the podcast about creating fashion and growing a business that fits your customer, your lifestyle, and your values. I'm your host, Allison Haynes. Today, I'm joined by Patricia Luisa Blage of Loud Bodies. So welcome to the show, Patricia. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you for joining me today. Um, for those who are just meeting you for the first time, could you share a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, of course. So I'm the founder of Loud Bodies, which is an uh, inclusive and sustainable clothing brand. We are based in Romania, but we ship all over the world. And we make we make clothing in sizes XXS to 10XL in exclusively in certified sustainable fabrics. That's amazing. And it's so, um, so great to see such a, uh, a large size range. Like I feel like you're, the sizes you offer are some of the most inclusive that I've seen from brands. So I'm excited to dive in and hear more about that. But first, I'd love to kind of know what's your, what's your background? Like, how did you get into the fashion industry? How did you, yeah, what led you to start this brand? So basically what led me to start Loud Bodies was definitely my need to find clothing in my size because I'm, I used to have an eating disorder. So when I started to recover, it obviously came with a lot of weight gain and I have always been, I've always loved to express myself through my style. So being able to no longer find clothing that made me feel good in my body was definitely adding insult to injury Mm -hmm. so um even at size back then I was size XL now I'm size 2XL but even then it was really difficult to find uh clothing that was not constricting and not uncomfortable like okay I could fit in a fast fashion dress but maybe with uh with a zipper undid at the back you know and things Mm -hmm. like that kind of make clothing fit And actually, I have no background in fashion design. In university, I actually studied journalism. And my dream was to be a writer. And uh, basically, I started working as a content creator because I saw that as a pathway to get me to one day be able to write a book. But then I sort of got absorbed by the industry, which, especially in Romania, and over five years ago, it was really not making me, uh, I was not able to make and meet by working as a content creator because I would just be hired as a you know, token fat person to tick off an mm. inclusivity box. So what paid work I got was rare and few in between. And also working in this industry that is so, so, so deeply uh, focused on traditional beauty standards and basically your success is 100% based on the way you look. Mm -hmm. Uh, So no matter how much work I put in and no matter how much dedication I put in, I would just continue to be overlooked. And this definitely uh, left me uh, with a lot of self-esteem issues and, you know, (laughs) trauma. Mm -hmm. And at one point I was literally reaching my my lowest point and I was like, okay, I, I, I cannot do this anymore because this is... This is literally tearing me apart and it's making me very unhappy no matter how much I love writing, no matter how much 
how important the topics that I was talking about were to me. But at the same time, I didn't want to just, you know, do a money grabbing business or just do something that would solely be an income stream for me, but not fulfill me and, mm-hmm. and be aligned with my morals. So that's how I decided to start Loud Bodies. And like from the start, it was something that I wanted to do to enable people to feel beautiful and to feel liberated and to put something out in the world that makes people happy. Yeah. So, I mean, it sounds like it's a very like personal story and journey that led to starting the brand. But I know like from talking to other people and even, you know, people I know, you know, in, in clothing, my clients and friends and family that it's you're not alone in in feeling that and feeling kind of left out by fashion and um made to feel less than by you know kind of beauty standards that who who decided like that was the the ideal you know um because I I totally agree with you that like fashion and beauty is much more broad and inclusive than the industry makes it out to be and like some of the most stylish beautiful people I know are you know people who wear sizes that are very difficult to find in most stores and it's a real shame that they you know have to work so much harder than other people to find the style or find the clothing that expresses that beauty than somebody who's you know a different size so yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that, you know, when people say that fashion is superficial, it's, it, of course, it's superficial if you're able to go into a, a store and just find the clothes that you need and the clothes that feel that make you feel beautiful. Because when society is already so hard on you and makes you doubt yourself and makes you feel basically like crap about your body, it, it only deepens the the bad relationships that we develop with our bodies not being able mm-hmm. to fit into clothes that you like and also that also definitely leaves out the impact that the fashion industry has on our planet because it's you know the second most polluting industry out there yeah that's a great point of like fashion can't be superficial if it has such i mean unfortunately often negative impact on people and the planet like there's so much more depth to the conversation that needs to be had and needs to be given to making clothing, wearing clothing, selling clothing, you know, marketing um, clothing. And yeah, it is much more important than I think a lot of people or even my pet peeve is like fashion movies or TV make it out to be, you know. Yeah, definitely. Like it's a lot, it's a lot harder and a lot more personal for so many of us. Yeah. So you talked a little bit about the values that you have around clothing and wanting to create a business that would, you know, fit your values and not just bring money um, or, and on the flip side, not just bring fulfillment, but also bring money um, because both are important. Uh, What are some of the values then other than size inclusivity that, um, are important to loud bodies and to you? To me, the most important value is, and the thing that brings me the most fulfillment still to this day is being an ethical employer. Because even in 
countries in the global north, it is still often that garment workers are exploited and paid, paid below minimum wage or have literally humanly impossible to fulfill norms in order to get their payment. So to mm. me, basically to me, I think sustainability does not exist unless the people who make your, your clothes are also part of that and are treated ethically because no amount of organic cotton or recycled polyester will make up for the fact that the, the brand and the business is not sustainable to the people who are making the clothes. So for me, that has been from the, because when we started, we didn't use sustainable fabrics, but from day one, I have been an ethical employer and that's definitely the, the key uh, value that the, the brand has been formed around. I love that. And congratulations. I know not every business makes choices to put the people and, you know, their values first in business. So congratulations on that. Thank you. It's definitely a corner that I would never in a million years, like no matter how hard it gets sometimes, because now we're we're reaching year five. And I, the more we get closer to that anniversary in June, I, I I feel like it, it's still really hard. <laughs> it's a lot harder mm-hmm. than I thought it would be by year five. Like I didn't imagine it will be all, you know, rainbows and daisies, like from in the first year or the second year. But I definitely, I think that five years ago, I thought it would be a bit easier to do this by now. But mm-hmm. it's still these these values to to put out a product that's genuinely made with love and care for both the people involved, both both the people who make the clothes and the people who will wear the clothes and our planet and our environment as, I don't know, cliche or I don't know, marketing gimmick, this sounds, but it's it's really at at the heart of what I do. And it's something that I would like, if I would have to compromise these values, I think I would rather just close down and find different ways to, to work to do this work Mm -hmm. so yeah you've been in business for five years and you mentioned that you're an employer so I know you have a team that works with you I'd love to hear a little bit more about like your team and who's behind you know loud bodies clothes like can you introduce us to your team a little bit yes absolutely so when we first started it was literally just me and one seamstress so she would do the sewing and I would do practically everything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, so from the the patterns, the drafting the clothes, uh, packing the items, social media, basically everything. We then started to slowly grow and we grew to two seamstresses and I got someone to help me with the work. And starting with last year, we have been a team of nine people. It's... Oh, wow. Yeah, it's me and my partner. My partner helps with our website. The He's basically the IT department. Mm-hmm. And he's also a fashion photographer. So he takes all our photos. Nice. Now I'm no longer as involved in the production part. So I no longer draft the items and do the patterns. I now have a team member. Her name is Simona who handles this. She's basically like the smaller boss let's mm-hmm. say she's basically in charge of the production team there are uh, five ladies who are our seamstresses who do the clothes uh, I still have an assistant who helps me with packing the orders and 
a bit with customer service and administrative and administrative stuff. Mm-hmm. And we also have uh, Veronica, who is our designer and also in charge of creative direction when it comes to our shootings. And together we handle all social media content creation. So we're still basically a small team and most of us, except for the production team itself, most of us have like, you know, several hats that we put on during the day. Mm -hmm. The the roles are not as clearly narrowed down like social media manager, designer. We still kind of share the workload amongst ourselves. And I feel like that's often the case with with smaller businesses where, um, yeah, you kind of get to do a lot. You have to like pitch in and do a bunch of different things to, you know, keep the business running. But it can be a really, I think, fun environment and team when you're all kind of aligned on the same values and, you you know, you love the mission and, and the work that you're doing and the people that you're working with. Yeah, absolutely. Like that's another thing we have. A, you know a safe work environment where even though I'm the boss like I don't know we joke around we nobody's I don't know scared to come and ask me like hey I have to go with my son to the dentist today can I leave one hour earlier and things mm-hmm. like that like we besides paying and a living wage I also you know offer my my team flexibility and they can choose their hours which in an in a production work environment is pretty unheard of yeah it is that's so cool um so you're you're doing all the production in-house it sounds like rather than like yeah um, yeah absolutely so uh, basically literally everything you see is made by us nine people we rent a house so there's like no weird i mean not weird but no you know, factory, unsanitary or unsafe working conditions. Like mm-hmm. there's full transparency and traceability and everything we make is made by us. That's so cool. And I think it's really, it can be a, a real advantage to brands when the design team and the kind of the leadership is working closely and around the production team where it's not I I think there can be more more often you see kind of the ethical standards being broken when it's like oh it's just made somewhere over there but we don't know and we've never been to the factory and we don't know people versus like if you just walk to the next room and like there's your seamstress and you walk to the next room and like there's the designer like they can really collaborate and like understand like the the humanity of you know each part of the process but then also just I find it really really helpful like for my job as a pattern maker to talk to like seamstresses and talk to designers and talk to people at different levels because it, it shows me how I can improve my job to make like their part of the process easier or more efficient and really make like the final product as the best that it can be. Absolutely. Because me coming from like a weird background where I had no, you know, design studies and stuff like that. It's, Mm -hmm. I'm in a weird position where I understand how the clothes are made and what can be made and what cannot be made. But oftentimes maybe designers don't necessarily have this training in mind so mm-hmm. I, I think it's a lot easier to actually 
be able to know how a garment is going to function and how it's going to fit if you're able to you know have this whole team in one place and discuss like hey can we put this ruffle here or is it basically impossible to connect it and for it to make sense to the other pieces mm -hmm. and I, I think it's it's both good in terms of being able to really ensure that everybody is treated ethically but it's also great because I think you have much more control over the items especially like I have a bit of a control issue <laughs> I'm not going to pretend that's not true but I can't even imagine like producing our clothes I don't know somewhere else and not being able to see the clothes before they reach our clients like mm -hmm. even when I basically passed over the backing process to Linka to my assistant, I, I like for the first weeks, I would still like super micromanage her and take a look at the clothes. And even now, once in a while, at least once a month, I go and check all the clothes that are ready on that day to be shipped to ensure that nothing is going wrong behind my back. Like I could not imagine having the production somewhere else and not being able to check on the items before they reach our customers. Like my control issues could never. <laughs> Yeah, it does take a lot of trust to be able to turn a task over to somebody else, especially yeah. when like you can't see the final result. And if it started out as just you, like you were involved in everything. And so kind of letting that go, I can, I <laughs> totally can relate to that. It's, it's difficult. Um, so maybe can we talk a little bit about that? Like kind of how has your role changed and maybe your mindset? changed or not um between when you first started and it was just you to now that you have a whole team and you're less involved in kind of the day-to-day -day production I know I mean I'm still pretty involved in the day-to-day production like for example uh only Simona can be able to draft our clothes and like literally in two weeks she's gonna get she's going on holiday so she will be drafting a bit in advance but then it when this happened in the past, the team would run out of clothing to sew. So I would have to go up and pick up the slack and draft some clothes. So I'm not like totally no longer connected to that. Mm -hmm. But I think actually the most surprising thing that happened when I stopped doing the drafting and I, then the, I thought that uh, I would be less anxious and less stressed but I actually got more stressed <laughs> uh, no. because when I was when I was doing the drafting literally you know kind of the productivity of the brand depended on me so no matter I don't know how many orders came in that day or things like that I would still feel you know productive and like I'm doing good work because if I wouldn't be drafting the products nobody wouldn't nobody would be doing it and my employees wouldn't have what to sew mm -hmm. <laughs> so when I stopped doing that and then I don't know we would have one day without orders two days without orders three days without orders then I would start like super beating myself up because I'm not doing uh good enough of a job to get things to, to keep things going so mm. it, it was it was interesting because I, I genuinely thought uh not doing so much of the extra labor and being able to uh, work more creatively would help me be more relaxed and have more fun at work. But it actually put more pressure on me because it's like, I'm not being creative enough. I'm not being uh, good enough at the marketing part. What's going on? Mm -hmm. 
you know, I mean, it's interesting when you when you're involved in so many aspects of the business, how the roles change when you like in ways that you definitely don't even expect it to, and things are challenging in ways that sh- that you wouldn't think they would be. Mm-hmm. But it's, yeah. it's definitely for me. I think that the hardest part of being a business owner, it's trying to not let the success of the business or what I would call the success of the business uh, impact your mental health and your self worth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great point and so true. I I completely agree and yeah, I think it's so interesting. And I can totally, like, totally understand where you were coming from with the, like, I'm, I'm, I'm not as, like, some of the tasks you're doing now or the marketing or, you know, kind of the bigger creative vision is less concrete of, like, when it's done, it's done. Like, like yeah, when, you, when yeah. you drafted the, you know, a new, a new style or something, it's like, it's done. You, it's more straightforward. And so it's like that sense of accomplishment is easy to kind of say, like, checked off that box. I got it done. Versus, yeah, and it's, yeah, it's so easy to, like, quantify it because, mm-hmm. like, okay, I had to prepare 10 dresses to be sewn today. I did that. So it's accomplished. I'm good. Mm-hmm. I did well. <laughs> but right now I'm like, okay, if we didn't get like one order today, then I suck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, it's not necessary. It's not true. You know, you don't have, yeah, you don't yeah, have to I, take it so yeah. personally, but it's so easy to when it's, it's less of a concrete thing of like, when am I done? When am I, yeah. accom- like, when have I accomplished this? Or I know like for me in my own business, it's, it's like it feels more arbitrary to like set goals of you know like what is successful um in my own mind and then it's it's harder to know like day to day how do I reach that and when I don't reach it was it because I failed at something or was it something outside of my control like it's less you have less control over those things and so it's much harder as you say to to keep that separate the accomplishment or the lack thereof in our minds separate yeah. from like our personal success in the job yeah and it, it's so hard to draw a line because this kind of work is kind of never over like mm-hmm. you could always be posting more you could always be I don't know brainstorming more you could always be strategizing more you could always be searching more like especially when you have so many different tasks that are always ongoing it's not something that gets finalized uh, mm-hmm. and it, it's always so hard to be like okay how how much work is enough work so you feel like you've done your work for the day because there's always more work for tomorrow and the day after tomorrow and there's always like maybe something that took longer than you expected so you were not able to do everything you planned that day so to me it's always hard to find that balance of you know stopping like okay you, you did enough today you don't need to feel disappointed or stressed out like you did your best and you don't have to do the best of someone better your best is enough Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I fall into the same thing where I've when I first started my business I was way more like 
optimistic or like ambitious about like this is all the things I'm gonna get done today and then like in reality I would get to the end of the day and be be like I answered emails and I did one <laughs> task you know yeah, yeah <laughs> and it's like how did this take me all day long to do yeah. and so now I try to be a little bit more realistic of like okay how long does it really take me to do things and keeping in mind that sometimes those more like creative abstract ongoing tasks like they they take some time to like get in the groove or like get in the focus of and you can't like rush them you know like the bigger strategic thinking I can't just like do 10 minutes and then like accomplish something it, it needs more time to like permeate and like think about it and brainstorm or whatever um but yeah, yeah I'm I'm totally the same way <laughs> I completely understand it's it's an interesting part of entrepreneurship I think of yeah, yeah when is enough and when do I need to stop work and I try to remind myself too of like if I'm overworking myself, like I'm the boss. And if I wouldn't put up with it, if I, if I was working for somebody else and they made me do the same thing, would I feel like that was, I was being treated fairly as an employee. And if not, why would I want to do that to myself? You know? Yeah. It, it's so easy to rationalize it, but it's mm -hmm. so hard to put it actually in action and give yourself the, the grace that you give other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so relatable. I think a lot of other people will be able to relate as well. Um, so I'm curious with production. So do you make stock of your pieces or do you make to order? No, we we only work on a per order basis. Okay. So, but you launch like I know you just launched a spring collection, so I do want to ask about that. Of you. So you create the collection and then it's launched for, for for people to be able to order and then you make it once it's ordered. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. So uh, basically our process starts with fabric sourcing. So we find mm -hmm. the fabrics that we would like to use. We order samples or test batches because most of them are made, uh, are like custom made. We are not able to find many companies that do sustainable fabrics that carry stocks mm -hmm. so uh yeah we we order the fabrics then we start working on the designs by the time the designs are over hopefully the fabrics get to us because that's part of what i was saying earlier that it's still so hard because even after five years we still have so many troubles with our providers and uh, sometimes whole collections are derailed or like we have to at the last minute sew everything up or change our plans or do new designs and stuff mm -hmm. because there are a lot of mishaps or delays with the fabrics but then they come in and we sew all the samples we test we fit test everything to make sure uh everything fits as it should mm -hmm. uh, then we basically have the shooting for the collection the photo shooting and then we release yeah we release the collection and then we saw all, all the items as the orders come in nice yeah um so i want to um, ask a little bit more about parts of those process too so yeah with fabrics you had mentioned that now all your fabrics are sustainable fabrics um so what 
does like what aspects of I feel like sustainability is such a big conversation and a big like encompasses a lot of things so what parts of sustainability are important to you and that you incorporate into your fabrics or just in general into loud bodies so for me the thought that uh, I don't know if we made an item today it will still be on this earth like 20,000 years from now Mm. It's absolutely terrifying. So that's why, for example, I'm not a fan of recycled polyester. At Mm -hmm. most, we're considering using recycled polyester for maybe some puffer jackets this autumn, because that's the kind of item that definitely, that I mean, even our dresses, they're made to last. But there's definitely, for example, if you compare a dress made out of wool, I'm not sure how... Mm. okay so mm-hmm. if you make a dress out of like really soft sheer cotton mm. oh, because uh-huh. the, yeah because the fabric is so sheer and and soft it's definitely not gonna last I don't know I mean maybe it's gonna last 20 years depending on how often you wear it and how you take care of it mm-hmm. but a puffer jacket it's it's an item that doesn't get washed as often so there aren't as many uh, microplastics uh draining out of it when you wash it as opposed mm-hmm. to if you do like I would only agree to recycled polyester if there is no other alternative like I would yeah. not see the reason of making like a shirt from recycled polyester when you can make that from organic cotton from tensile from lyocell there are a myriad of sustainable alternatives then you can do it from but when it comes to like a you know a strong heavy duty winter jacket you can't really make that out of cotton because it's just not feasible and it doesn't do what a heavy duty winter jacket needs to be doing. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's the impact of the fabrics is really important. So I, we do our best constantly to only use fabrics, accessories, trims, literally everything from buttons, from interlining, from even the elastics that we use, they're made from organic rubber and cotton. They're not made from polyester. Nice. So we want to have biodegradability. So if an item is bought today, it's not gonna be, you know, trashing a beach in Ghana 20 years from now, mm-hmm. if somebody got rid of it. Because as I said, if if it's feasible to be done from a fabric that biodegrades, I do not see the reason to not do it. Mm -hmm. Other than the fact that polyester and recycled polyester is cheaper and easier to sew in some cases. Yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, it is cheaper, but it's cheaper like money-wise, but there are other trade-offs, like you say. We we will be paying the price for it in a few years. (laughs) Yep. So cool. So you have all these beautiful fabrics and I agree natural fibers, like not only are they better for the environment, but I feel like they're so much more breathable and like beautiful than like Absolutely. the quality of the fabric is noticeable, noticeably different than just like a cheap polyester fabric, in my opinion. They feel so much better on the skin. Like mm-hmm. I I obviously don't shop much clothes. For clothes since I started out bodies but mm-hmm. I still do need the kind of items that we don't do 
for example, I don't know, knitwear. So those I thrift and mm -hmm. I can feel such a difference in between how our fa fabrics feel on the skin and how things made out of polyester feel. And it's really, it, it, it's for me, it's absolutely worth having to save up for an item that is going to last you years and that it's going to feel amazing on your skin rather than to get many pieces that are going to last only a couple of washes and are literally going to break apart after maximum 10 wears. Mm -hmm. 100%. Um, so another thing I wanted to ask more about with your collection process is you talked about like the sampling and making sure the fit was how it was supposed to be. Um, so what does your process look like for fitting such an inclusive size range? Um, like, do you test on multiple sizes within that range to make sure like, you know, the 2XS and all the way up to the 10XL are fitting across the board? Because I feel like that's super important. Um, when you're offering different sizes, and I know like you care about this too, um, making sure that the not only the clothes is offered in the the size that you can wear, but like that actually fit your body and like make you feel beautiful. Absolutely. So we we fit on several sizes, and um, especially on uh, bigger end of our sizing spectrum, uh, where. Unfortunately, unfortunately, we don't have as many orders. Whenever mm -hmm. there are returns, I always ask, I always ask questions if this was a fit issue, if something could have fit better. At the end of the year, we always ask, we have a, a full form of questions about the fit of the clothes and what could be improved and what was wrong that uh, we ask our clients to, to feel. So it's always a combination of both uh, you know, fitting in real life directly by us and also taking our customers' feedback in account. And mm -hmm. uh, now since we're entering our, our fifth year, we also work a lot on developing patterns that we already know that fit well. So mm -hmm. for example, if we have, you know, like a best-selling item uh, that we launched three years ago for this summer collection, Maybe we, we change the sleeves, we change the length, we change, we change things about it, but maybe we keep, you know, the bodice because if it's a wrap dress, for example, we know that one fits well and we've received good feedback and we find we've reached a point where it's been improved over the years so much that right now it, it fits really well. So I think it's also process in time. Mm -hmm. to be able to get to a point where because it's it's hard as unfortunately we're in a weird position where the majority of our clients are from the states but we're based in Romania interesting so it, yeah so it, it's a lot harder to actually get you know uh interaction in real life with our clients and be able to maybe do fittings on our clients in real life so mm -hmm it's that's why it's also very important to me to get the client's feedback yeah. uh, on the clothes to be able to adapt things that didn't fit properly and actually I think that good fit starts with mindful design mm -hmm. because it's also a thing of 
okay, where should be, where should we add an elasticated waistband to ensure a more comfortable fit? Or I think, I mean, it's, you have to think of how your item will fit on people before you actually make it and make sure you don't add maybe unnecessary details or things like that, that will make an item a lot harder to fit well on a multitude of varying bodies. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense, like, mm -hmm. for example, even if we want to make a pair of fitted pants uh, with a zipper at the back, we still add a bit of elastic at the sides on the waistband, which you don't really necessarily see from up front. So it's not super ruched, but it still has that bit of sizing adaptability that makes, first of all, enables the same size to fit well on a multitude of bodies. But also if you gain weight, if you lose weight, it allows your, your own body to fluctuate and not be the kind of item that if you gain one kilo, it's done. You can no longer wear it. Mm -hmm. Because we've had clients and some of our, of our items, we even, I don't know, carried pregnancies to term and were still able to wear the items or gained one, at least one size and were still able to wear the items. Like for me, it's important to have a wardrobe. I mean, that's also part of sustainability to have clothes that you're gonna still be able to wear five years from now because it's unrealistic to expect bodies not to change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's so much about what you said that I, I'm 100% agreement and I totally love. Um, I could nerd out about this kind of stuff all day long as a pattern maker. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and I totally agree, like getting feedback from the customers um, is so important and using the style blocks that have really sold well for you and like tweaking those, um, a super smart way to develop new styles with that same fit. Um, and then the design part, like not, not only the fit part, but the designing for different bodies and keeping that in mind. Like it's, it's one of my pet peeves when people are like, oh, you know, larger sizes or plus sizes are so much harder to fit than smaller sizes. And I was like, they aren't really, you just need to think about like, <laughs> like you need to design for more bodies. Like if you designed with their bodies in mind, they're not harder to fit, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and to begin with, if you actually go through the stores, most clothes don't even fit well on smaller bodies, but yeah, they, that too. They, they can fit into the clothes, like sizing wise, like, you know, the zippers, clothes and stuff, but mm -hmm. the fit itself is not ideal and it would be done much better to, you know, I, I hate the word flatter, but to, 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 to suit and to to literally like embrace your body and not make you feel worse in your body because something is not looking as yeah. good as it can be. Yeah, the garments should be proportioned to fit your body. You shouldn't have to like make your body fit the clothes. Yeah. Um, yeah, the other thing that I really liked of what you said was, yeah, that adaptability and that being part of a sustainable wardrobe is, is designing the pieces in a way that they are made to last, they're made to be worn for years, um, they're made to be able to, you know, 
fit different bodies or the same body, you know, that's changing, that that's a way I think to honor the beauty of people's bodies as they are and not like force them into like you have to fit specific size. Um, I think another, I'm going to say myth that I hear people say is that certain styles like really only flatter a certain size of bodies or like larger size bodies don't want to wear you know fitted clothes or you know shouldn't wear this style or that style and I don't think that is true but I'm curious to hear your opinion because I know like you offer your styles in such a huge size range and so how how is it designing kind of one one style one design that looks good on all these bodies and do you also agree that it's more about fit than it is about design in terms of looking good on everybody it again boils down to mindful design like for example we wanted to do a dress with more back showing but Mm -hmm. at the same time you have to keep into account that Probably a lot of people who live in bigger bodies wouldn't be comfortable wearing it without a bra, like mm-hmm. because that's an, an issue when you have a bigger chest, not necessarily of how it looks, but maybe for me personally, it's even about you know personal safety going down the street when your breasts move more, men stare more or cat call you more. And it's just mm-hmm. not something I would want to open myself to. But in the same time, I do love to show more back. So what we did for that dress was was add, you know, two straps at the back connected to the sides that you get to tie in the shape of a bow that basically cover a bra strap. Mm-hmm. So that way we also did the dress that shows more back, which was our goal, but adapted it to fit more people and to ensure that more people will be able to wear it Mm. so even when it comes to things like oh i could not design this because well you can design it you just need to put a little bit more thought and effort into it Mm -hmm. and absolutely i think fat people want sexy clothes as well i think fat people want bodycon clothes as well they want short skirts as well like we do, we definitely do sell a number of, you know, maybe more modest or covering clothes. But I think personally, it also boils down to a cost per wear mm-hmm. uh, reasoning because a lot of our clients do not have necessarily a really big income. So they save up to buy our clothes. So it, of course, makes makes more sense for them to purchase a dress that they will be able to wear at the office, going out. So in more occasions than just, you know, an occasion where over the top or super sexy or super revealing dress that limits the times that you can wear it. But we, we also do sell, you know, outlandish styles, styles that wouldn't be considered flattering in air quotes on bigger bodies with big ruffles, with big frills, with lots of volume, because the whole the whole point of fashion is to take up space to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what I found like so interesting and like that I love about your brand and why I really wanted to, you know, have you come on the podcast is because of 
like you, you, you don't do what a lot of brands do, um, where they, they have their smaller size collection and then they, you take like a few bland, you know, shapeless styles and make those in larger sizes. Like you have such a like fun and beautiful range of styles across all these sizes. Um, and I love that you put that extra thought into not only let's make this style for different bodies, but let's make it functional and make it something that people are really going to be able to wear and get a lot of use out of and feel comfortable and all these different situations and not have to like design their life or their day around the dress that they're wearing. They can um, put the dress on and feel great and do whatever they wanted to do for their day. Absolutely. I, I, I think fashion should be liberating and I don't know, no matter how much you love a print or a dress or any item of clothing, if it's not comfortable and if it's not also at least to some extent practical, you're not going to feel as good as you should in it. Mm -hmm. So true. Um, so yeah, you have your new spring collection um, do you want to share a little bit about some of the pieces in that collection? Like, do you have a favorite or what was kind of the theme of, um, it's called Birthday Sunset, right? Yeah, so it was our designer and creative director, Veronica's birthday. We uh -huh. literally, uh, this month, it was on the 14th of, a of April, and we, we managed to time the launch exactly on her birthday. So basically, mm -hmm. yeah, she, she drew inspiration from her own birthday, for this collection and basically all items well some of the some of them are more outlandish and some of them are more you know practical everyday items but the prints and the fabrics make it so that you're basically I think all the items would be suitable for a birthday party or a birthday celebration or a celebration of any kind because even if you don't have you know like a big party or going out with friends or anything I, sh I think you should do something special for yourself mm -hmm. on your birthday and feel beautiful and feel, uh, you know, powerful and sparkly. And because you de you deserve to be celebrated first and foremost by yourself. That's so cool. Yeah, and I saw lots of different like bows and some beautiful floral fabrics and lots of ruffles in the collection. So lots of fun, like festive festive outfits. Um, so cool. Um, Thank you. yeah. So you had mentioned that a lot of your customers are in the States. Um, how did you kind of get started selling like globally and like build that large audience in the States when you are in Romania, as you say? Uh, definitely through social media. Like we, we've never been to States or participated to fairs or anything, but we started catching the eyes of content creators and influencers from the States who would contact us about having our clothes. And basically that's how we kind of got the word going because from the beginning we, we shipped internationally. Okay, nice. So it's yeah. through the power of internet. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> the, the benefits of having a business in the modern world. Yeah, but it's also it's also like uh, it's a bit hard. It makes it harder to do a lot of the things that I would love to do 
you know, mm-hmm. sustainability and circularity wise, because I would love to be able to offer, you know, a repairing service and exchange service. Maybe, I don't know, one year later, if you gain weight and the item is no longer good, you could send it in and for a small fee, we could modify it. So it's, you can still wear it. And I would love to be able to make our business more circular, but, you know, being literally half world uh, apart from our clients is, is making it really difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are definitely challenges too. So what are, are there any other things like along the lines of sustainability? I know you've like done so much and already in your brand in terms of being ethical and using sustainable fabrics and making these commitments to, um, yeah, making choices that benefit people and the environment and not just the profits. Are there any things like kind of these more circular offerings for you know alterations or replacement that you would love to do in the future or that you're working towards now? I'm definitely trying to think of more ways to get this to become more circular, but it's also hard because we're like a really, we have a really small volume of orders. Like last year we produced 1,800 items in total, which is like, which I mean, I'm I'm not sure if it sounds like a lot or not, but for a clothing brand, it it is a pretty small number. So Mm -hmm. any sort of, you know, trying to make like a collection, collection points in the state maybe to have, because just shipping one dress to us so we can repair it and then shipping it back would create more CO2 than it benefits mm-hmm. from fixing that. I'm thinking maybe trying to make some, I don't know, maybe partnerships or campaigns to encourage people to support their local tailors, because mm-hmm. that could also be maybe something that you know people have grown so used to uh, not fixing their clothes because they're, I don't just say fast fashion clothes are not worth fixing, but oftentimes, like I spend so much time trying to mend an item only for it to break on the next wear. Like this literally just happened last week and I was so upset. Oh, <laughs> I spent yeah. like, yeah, I spent like three hours sewing and repairing a shirt. And then the next time I wore it, it broke in another side. And I was like, oh, it's yeah. the worst. It's the worst. So I, I, I think especially the way people started in in recent years, you know, shopping a lot for for clothes that they wear only a few times and then throw away. There's not not much mend and repair culture. So I think maybe being able that would be a way to highlight that and to encourage encourage people to you know fix their clothes, mend their clothes. I was also thinking of I don't know maybe being able to partner with some charities in the state and when people no longer want to clothe an item of clothing from us but it's still in a good state they could donate donate them to their charities and when the charity confirms that they received an item then it's okay we could give store credit to that client so mm. you know encourage them to not throw the items away and mm-hmm. you know do some good through the whole to the whole process give that item uh a new life, help somebody in need, and also give the client an incentive to do it. 
Yeah, those are all really cool ideas. Um, I think, yeah, the idea of like encouraging people to work with local, you know, would eliminate the the CO2 created from all yeah. the shipping back and forth and still kind of fulfill that circularity that you're looking for. So it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. We also, for example, clients, I, I would also want to, you know, add that to our website. So client, clients know it's an option. We've mm-hmm. had clients get in touch with us if, for example, a pair of their pants broke or something got nicked on something and it broke we can, you know, send them pieces of fabric for free so they can patch that, patch that up if you can't sew it back otherwise. So I'm definitely trying to find more flexible ways to bring more circularity about, even though it's hard if you're not, you know, in the same country that you're selling because that would make it so much easier. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, so I just have a few more questions for you. Um, what are you most proud of in over these past five years and running Loud Bounties? Oh, I'm definitely like, I, I feel so fulfilled by the fact that uh, I've managed to stay true to my morals and my, my values. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, at once we were contacted by Amazon to, they wanted to make like, I don't know, some sort of green corner or you know, some sort of greenwashing technique. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to, you know, purchase a lot of items from us. And I, I said, no. Uh, so no matter like how, how easier it would have made it to make certain choices, I, di- I didn't do them. Mm-hmm. And because it's not easy having a, a business like ours and I think that if compromises would start sneaking in it would definitely start making it not worth it to do all this work because Mm -hmm. if at the end of the day I can put my head on the pillow at night and sleep peacefully and at peace with the choices that I make it makes all the work and the stress and anxiety worth it being always always prioritizing my team and their well-being is again something I'm very proud of. Being determined to to find the best, to to always do the best with the resources that I have, is when it comes to you know sourcing. Because, for example, I, I'm I'm sure that given how how hard it was to find these alternatives and how much more expensive they are when it comes to, you know, sustainable elastic, sustainable buttons, sustainable interlining. Those are details that people don't necessarily think about. And I'm mm-hmm. sure that other brands who are sustainable don't put that much effort into finding these small details that are actually sustainable. So I'm also proud of the fact that I actually go the extra mile. And I, when I say we do our best to be sustainable, I, I can say that honestly and truthfully, because I, I really do my best to always find the best alternatives, both when it comes to the best quality of the fabrics and accessories we use and the most sustainable alternative that we have the access to and that we are able to procure. And definitely seeing so many, so many, so many happy customers because we have so 
much nice feedback and it's so amazing because most of our clients are such kind and thoughtful people like just mm -hmm. from my interaction because they still do the bulk of customer service so just mm -hmm. even in the way most of them approach us when they send us a message on the site and how you know they have the patience to receive an order because even that's something to be admired today when you know you have you know i don't know second day delivery it's <laughs> It takes you putting time and effort and thought into planning ahead. Like, okay, I have a wedding in two months. What should I wear? Like a lot mm -hmm. of people just start thinking about that one week in advance. But, you know, people put in the effort to plan that ahead. So they have the time to order from us and receive the item. And that's, I, I'm really grateful for the, for the community that we have gathered around us because they're, they're really wonderful people. Yeah. Congratulations on all of that. That's like so much to celebrate and feel proud of. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, so my last question is a question that I ask everyone at the end of the interview, which is if you could communicate one value to the world through the clothes that you design, what would it be? I, I think it would be about putting you know thought and intention and meaning before in you know like putting meaning in what you do mm -hmm. and being conscious but in a good way of the fact that your actions have an impact and feeling empowered to take the best decisions and make the best actions for you Mm. and the confidence to kind of you know follow follow your values and do do what you think is best that's really powerful absolutely I, I mean I think that's the most liberating feeling of all you know to, to feel like you're staying true to yourself mm -hmm. yeah not having to compromise for other other things yeah, I mean, and that can be applied to something that some people would consider superficial as personal style or, mm -hmm. you know, life values. Mm -hmm. So true. Well, this has been such a fun conversation, Patricia. Thank you so much for joining me and sharing your story and more about Loud Bodies and what you're doing and you and your team are doing with the brand. Um, where can people find out more about loud, loud Bodies online? Thank you so much for having, for having me and for, you know, taking an interest in our story and my work. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at Loud Bodies. You can find us on loudbodies.com on our website. Uh, you, can subscribe to, you can subscribe to our newsletter via our website. And you can also find us on Twitter and Facebook as Loud Bodies. Awesome. I will put links to those in the show notes. And yeah, thank you again for joining me today. Thank you so much. Yeah, That's all for today. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. And if you would like more episodes and resources like this about growing a fashion business that fits your customer, lifestyle, and values, send straight to your inbox you can sign up for my email list at alisonhainis.com slash newsletter. That's A-L-I-S-O-N-H-O-E-N-E-S dot com slash newsletter. 
Again, thank you for listening, and I hope you'll join me for the next episode of How Fitting.